great day. Matter of fact, I'd like to take you all home with me. Unfortunately, I took the last audience home and there's no more room. <laughs> but thank you, really. Thank you. And thank you for bringing me here. What's up? Mr. Comic, I wish to know what is funny. It's funny, I don't know. It's a matter of opinion, I guess. Uh, Tip O'Neill in a dress. Some people say words that end with a K are funny. Uh, uh, a briefcase that looks like a fish. Personally, I find that hysterical. Tip O'Neill, accessing. 20th century male, politician, overweight, wearing female clothing, carrying a valise that looks like a fish. So, the juxtaposition of gender and an amphibian briefcase is funny. <laughs> Whatever makes you laugh is funny. Nothing makes me laugh. I wish to learn. Well, uh, how much time do we have here? Unlimited. How much time do we have here? We don't really have unlimited time, but we'll try our best. And this is Will, and this, of course, is the Sci-Fi Guy podcast. All right, before we start, let me do a little housekeeping. I just wanted to say that my buddy Brandon and I will be doing a podcast on Chakotay and Native American culture, and then one on Marilyn Monroe and her UFO connection, her wacky UFO connection. So look out for that. I know I had promised it a while ago, but we're still working on it, so it'll be coming up. And one last thing, a little more wacky stuff. Let's do a little time traveling, a little next generation nostalgia for me specifically. Crazy fact, but today marks the 28th anniversary of the airing of my next gen episode, Homeward. Yes, 28 years ago. How the hell can that be? I don't understand it. It was either the first time broadcast um, episode in my area in New York City, or maybe it was in the whole country, because they used to have it, I think, on 5 or 6 o'clock, and mine went 8 p.m., and it was the first one in the uh, roster. And it was the 13th episode, directed by Alexander Singer. So pretty neat nostalgia. All righty. Let's now bring on my guest. This is my first guest, meaning it's the very first guest of a sci-fi podcast. I guess that makes him sort of Captain Kirk or maybe Captain Archer. I'm not sure. But welcome to my friend, Adam. How you doing, Adam? I'm doing very well. Thank you so much for having me, Well, This is exciting. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for letting... I didn't even realize I'm your first guest. I feel... Uh... I, I, I'm so elated. I'm I'm, I'm blushing. I'm I'm just so happy to be here. <laughs> see, it's good. It's good. It's podcasty audio radio. We'd all see each other blushing, but your right. <laughs> your secret is safe there. It's awesome. Yeah, you know, I was going to get my friend Brandon. I, I had a couple others, but you are first. So it's very cool. Very cool. Super cool. Yeah. I appreciate it. Awesome. Happy to be here. Sure. So, so obviously, let, let me. I know you're going to send me a bio, but I'd rather you just tell everybody like who you are and all that, so you can get it right, so I can't fuck that up. So, absolutely. I'm uh, I'm Adam Ferberg. I'm a TV producer and comedian. Live in Los Angeles right now. Um, currently, the shows I'm working on are I work on a game show called Let's Make a Deal. Uh, it was a CBS uh, game show on every morning, uh, depending on your local area. I think it's either the lead-in or the follow-up for um, uh, The Price is Right, depending on your uh, location. And I also do stand-up comedy. I perform uh, pretty regularly here in Los Angeles. Obviously, things have slowed down with you know uh, COVID happening, and I recently had a baby about six months ago. So not as active as I normally am. I'm usually on stage you know three, four nights a week, and sometimes get to travel outside of town for shows and stuff. So um, 
busy person, but like I said, kind of slowing down, taking it easy, just being a dad at the moment. I'm on hiatus from my show and not performing as much so I can just hang out with my son as he gets a little older. Awesome. So congrats on that. I know you sent me. Thank a, you. Yeah, you sent me the photo of, was it Elliot in a little captain's chair a couple months ago? Yes. That's so cool. Yeah, we went to, we went to the um, Star Trek exhibit at the uh, Getty Museum, which is mm-hmm. one of the museums here in Los Angeles, and they have mm-hmm. this whole floor uh, for dedicated to old Star Trek props and wow. costumes and makeup and, and just and so many cool ship models, like actual ship models. Nice. And they actually had a, uh, a Captain Kirk chair up front that you could sit in yeah. and take photos. And so we got one of nice. uh, my, he was wearing a shirt that said Trekkie, the next generation. So awesome. one of my friends named Danielle got it, got us that. And, <laughs> and it's just, it's just, it's perfect. Yeah. And that's exactly who he is. Nice. <laughs> nice. You know, it's interesting. I remember when I first started seeing uh, real props, like at conventions and, you know, and, and to really hold them and they do look cool, but did you, do you share the same experience that, you know, the lighting on a show, I think in a movie means so much. So they still right. look cool. Cool, right, but it's like, wait a minute, you know. But then, if you get them home or whatever, and you put on your own lighting, so you can really kind of go to town. But it's interesting. Yeah. Well, that's that's what's so yeah. funny to me is that, like, when you get the toy or you get those kind of like higher end, yeah. they call them replicas, but they're right. just higher end toys with you know titanium instead of plastic. Sure. Yeah, uh, they make all the lights and they make all yeah. the sounds. And you're right, what yeah. they held on the show was wood. Yeah, you know what I mean. It was go. wood yeah. and paint. Yeah. And that's it. Exactly. (laughs) Right. It was never quite the same thing. You know, props really are props. That was just stuff stuck together by people trying to be really um, uh, resourceful in the moment. And uh, it's not quite, not quite the same uh, thing, not quite the same experience. But what was cool about this is that like they would have props from, you know, next generation and even the original series. And so those show a significant amount of age. And so you're willing Mm -hmm. to pass off the fact that they don't have the sound effects, in my opinion, because like that looks like it was on step, you know, 30, 40, 50 years ago. Right, right, right. And what's amazing too is, you know, they have the hero or um, the hero props and like for ones for stand-ins and extras. And of course, mm-hmm. the, yeah, the hero props like for Kirk and Spock or Picard and Data, so much better. And then you see that, you know, the, the, the little ones they give to the NDs, to the like, you know, the, the, the extra right. guys and girls. Right, it's exactly. So funny. Yeah. So let me, let me ask you, I, I of course started the clip, we'll identify that's from, the good old the next gen episode, the uh, outrageous Okona, and of course Joe Piscopo. Oh, yeah. yeah, Joe Piscopo is the comic. So does that obviously, as a stand up comic, is, does that sort of you know give personal sort of you know uh, connection and all? So when you hear that, or obviously the episode, what do you what do you, what's what's you know what's your connection there? My my connection to that particular episode, it's it's I think it kind of brings because you want to have me on to discuss like my favorite my my who my opinion are the funniest characters and some yeah. of the funniest episodes. Sure. And I mean, we're just going to start off with number one. The funniest character to me is Data. Nice. And cool. um, I know that people like to say that Data is the Spock of the next generation, and he is, and he isn't. Yeah, he is the emotionless character. Uh, that kind of really stands out from the rest of the crew, whereas, you know, his face is white and he's got gold eyes as opposed to pointy ears and he doesn't doesn't express emotions. But the difference is that he wants 
to express emotion and he's going after it. And so he's trying to learn everything about it. And the whole first season is just him learning jokes and limericks and stuff mm -hmm. and, and repeating. That's always a gag on the show. He shares a joke with Jordy or he shares a, a, a humorous moment with the rest of the crew and he never gets it. He never gets the joke. His, his laugh is totally fake and forced, but he's <laughs> trying so hard and it's so like adorable and hilarious at the same time. And I love, the Joe Piscopo episode mm -hmm. so much. That particular uh, instance, first of all, Joe Piscopo, as far as I know, was not a stand-up. I could be mistaken. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think you're right. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. It was a yeah. sketch act. Sketch. You know what I mean? Yep. It was a yep. sketch comedy exactly. actor. He came, came up in that rank, which, right. again, nothing wrong with that, but mm -hmm. he's not a stand-up. And right. it's so funny to me that he's standing next to arguably the biggest stand-up comedian in the world at the time. Goldberg, and, Whoopi, and, right, and, right. Whoopi Goldberg, <laughs> so you know what I mean? Yeah, right. Like, they had that big, yeah. what was it called, um, Comic Relief, that yep. big charity event yep. that they had every year. Yeah. It was her, Robin Williams, and Billy Crystal. Sure. You know what I mean? You can't yeah. get more famous in terms right. of stand-up comedy than sure. that really? in 1989 really? or 1990, right. whenever that episode aired. Right. And uh, I, I always wanted to do an episode where we learned the audition process for 10 forward. Yeah. Remember all the yeah. concerts and stuff took place in 10 forward. Right, right. Sure. And, yeah. and I imagine that, you know, whoopies uh, or excuse me, Guinan right. is a booker. Sure. And why sure. would they need to go talk to, right. um, why would they, why would she, she would know what's good, right? right. Sure. If you ran a bar, then you right. also book entertainment. And when you book entertainment, you know what's good, you know what's not good. And I, I would have loved to have seen him try his act out for her, not just to show it off so that he could do it, but like, can he actually be booked to perform? Right. And I remember there was an episode of um, Lower Decks, right? Uh, which are you familiar with that show? Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. There was an episode of Lower Decks where there was a an open mic night in mm. the um, in the mess hall on that ship on the Cerritos, right. Right. and I remember joking with the Instagram account because they, they, they posted on the, the, the Star Trek uh, Paramount Plus Instagram account about um, how to how to do uh, who wants to sign up for the open mic night mm. and I asked uh, knowing, wondering if maybe this person had done this process before but I asked uh, when does the sign up sheet go out mm. and um, they said that it's a bucket pull and if anyone knows anything about open mics, uh, I don't know if other cities do this. I know Los Angeles is notorious for this. So you'll throw your name, you'll write your name on a piece of paper and you'll throw it in the bucket. Right. And the idea <laughs> is that it's completely randomized, but everyone knows that buckets are all fixed and yeah. people are just going to put their friends up, you know? Right, <laughs> so, right. <That's> so funny. <laughs> when they said that, I was like, oh, this yeah. person, I think this person might do stand-up in Los That's Angeles because they know exactly what I'm talking about. That's great. Well, this is a great uh, segue into my next clip. So let me play the next one, another clip. Sure. And we'll have a comment on that. Let's go. Dana, do you even know what a joke is? Of course I do. It is a witticism, a gag, a bon mot, a fluctuation. Look, <laughs> it's just you and I here. We're talking, we're having an intimate conversation. Why? Because you're enjoyed and I'm annoyed. Why? Because that's what I am. Have I said something to offend you? No. Then why are you annoyed? Because you're a droid and I'm annoyed. Humanoid? Yes. You told a joke? Yes. I'm not laughing? Yes. <laughs> the joke was not funny. No. The joke was funny. It's you, Dana. 
You know, it's great. And I'll tell you, it, it, it bears repeating it a million times before the show here. I, I, I watched the episode, you know, Outrageous Okona again for the 80th time. And it's true. Seeing Whoopi, obviously, in so many great um, episodes as Guinan. But in that episode, like you said, arguably the top five, top three, maybe of all time comedians. And it just, again, that's what makes, there's so many reasons why Next Gen is is sort of the Cadillac or one of the best of the Star Trek shows. But to have Whoopi there, you know, I mean, I remember, you know, back in the day when she was coming on and I was like, oh my God, you know, Whoopi Goldberg. It was so cool. Yeah. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just the fact that she was on that show, mm. I think. And at the yeah. time... You know, comedians didn't really. Sometimes they did. Sometimes they got serious. You know. Yeah. But even even that show, it wasn't even so much that it was serious. It almost seemed like when you're a stand-up comic, at least nowadays, going from TV to to movies, there's no difference because of you know prestige TV. I think The Sopranos kind of really set that standard. Yeah. But yeah, you sure. know, 15 years ago. Sure. But when you were famous enough to do movies, you quit TV, mm-hmm. and you Good didn't. Point choose to go to tv mm-hmm. at all that was right. that was a step back tv right. actors were not as famous as mm-hmm. movie actors there was a significant dip in pay yeah. you just weren't as established yeah. and so for one of the biggest stand-ups in the world at the time mm-hmm. a movie star yeah. to act to ask to be she asked right to i was be. gonna say she yeah she requested exactly she asked and to, <laughs> so. for that for them to yeah. Say yes, but also she was a she was a part time player. Right. She would pop yeah. in here and there, yeah. Yeah. And, and for yeah. her to do that, I think really mm-hmm. shows how much of a Trekkie uh, Whoopi Goldberg yeah. is. It's incredible because right. uh, you, no one did that. Right. No right. one did that, and it, it wasn't like she set a standard. Right. People still didn't do that mm-hmm. for a long time. Absolutely, and uh, that's just that's yeah. just how much Whoopi's a, a Trekkie. Right. And I love that. Right. When we would get writer's guidelines to, to pitch, we would have, you know, little off limits. And it always said, of course, Whoopi Goldberg is Guinan. We always handled that. I think a couple of freelancers did get a pitch in, at least one or two. But you weren't supposed to pitch to anything. And she, I think they said she, she had at least seven episodes per season. You know, she might have had a little less, but like it was guaranteed to seven. So it's just right. incredible. I know. I just you know, and then just having ten forward. I remember just having you know the the bar in the lounge. I was like, whoa, you know, and, and, and it's pull- like they created yeah. a set just for this right. new actor, right? And, and like, then who does that? Exactly. Who, who, who has that right. kind of power anymore? Incredible. And Doctor Pulaski, you know, uh, coming on Diana Mulder, and then she so she replaced you know Crusher, and she's coming right. on Guinan's there, and then the set. It was like so many, so many like wows, and so many oh my oh my god. So yeah, it's mm-hmm. amazing. Mm-hmm. Just amazing, yeah. So, right. so yeah. So the idea is, um, like you're saying, right? There was that prestige and that sort of delineation between movies and TV. And now, of course, right now it's weird because everything is like HBO Max or whatever, and then, you know Hulu. Right. There's and, no line. Yeah, anymore, there's none. You know, like there's none. So arguably, some of the TV shows airing right now are as big as any movie. Yeah, sure. You know, yeah, like right. um, we we have Apple TV Plus, and we're watching the morning show. And there aren't a lot of movies with the level of star power on that show. Mm, yeah, you know what I mean. Like sure. everyone on that show was already famous for something else. Just about, right. with, with a few exceptions. Right. And even the ones that I would say aren't famous now are getting famous because they're getting cast in other stuff. Yeah. And it's like it's the level of like a blockbuster film, the the, the yeah. level of talent on that show. Right. And yeah, that was not how things were in 1988 when she got that job. Yeah. 
And again, like like you said, you know, requested, you know, good friend of LeVar right. Burton. If ever, you know, I'm sure most people out there, if they don't, but LeVar Burton, they were friends. And she's like, hey, right, you know, right can I have like – I think she probably said, can I just come on and play once or twice, a, you know, guest spot? And they were like, no, we'd like to have you on as a semi-regular uh, recurring. Just amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Put the spot in a couple of movies too. Right, and what's really neat is um, she says um, a lot when you know ever Trek is brought up that that Roddenberry, Gene Roddenberry, that was like the last you know um, character that he created on for her. Like that was the last one on record, and I believe that's wow. true. And that's just that alone. I mean, and uh, it's one of the most memorable. It's amazing. We're so lucky. To, <laughs> it really is, though. You know, in so many ways with comedy, and like you said too, it's like there's so many great serious episodes with Guinan. You know, Q Who with the introduction of the Borg and. You know, and she just has the chops. Obviously, we know she has the chops, but to see it, you know, in a, in a show, it's incredible. Yeah, so let's I see. Agree. Right. So let's see. Are you tired of the clips? I hope not. <laughs> no, here, not at all. Keep playing. Keep playing. <laughs> here comes another one. It was a holodeck audience. They were programmed to laugh at everything. Perhaps I should reprogram the audience to display a more accurate response. Damn. And of course, that's how it ends uniquely. And there's nothing more uniquely human. It's just so great. Wow. Yeah. And I was going to say, just as a, I mean, a comedian, not to get all like, I don't know, like sentimental mold, maudlin or say like, you know, you, how many times have you been on stage? How many times have you, you know, made people laugh? And knowing right. that, like, like Data says, you know, and he makes the great observation because he's always trying to what? To be human, to cross the lines and to become. And he's saying how uniquely human it is. Yeah. Yeah, and it's um, just to get a response out of a crowd. There's no other performance art that asks for that much interaction. Mm -hmm. And it's so funny because, you know, the worst thing that an audience member can do is try to participate in the show. Mm -hmm. And people, I think, fail to realize that they already are by having attended and bought a ticket and laughing. That they already are part of the show. And once people start heckling and stuff and they don't, you know, some people think they're helping, which is, you know, kind of yeah. silly, yeah. Uh, but they're not. <laughs> they're, uh, they're definitely, they're yeah. definitely making things worse. Yeah. But um, uh, yeah, it's it's really wholly, truly an interactive experience. Even if you think sitting and laughing isn't, it very much is because right. no one else you don't elicit a response during a poetry reading or a song playing or uh, a play being acted out in front of you. You, mm-hmm. you don't interact with that. You sit there and you're supposed mm-hmm. to be quiet. Mm-hmm. And during comedy, you get to laugh. And mm-hmm. it's actually really imperative that you do because it's all about the flow of the show. Mm-hmm. It's just as important that you laugh as much as the joke, uh, the joke teller tells the joke. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, it's a call and response, as they say in music. Mm-hmm. So it's... Um, yeah, it's 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 my favorite thing. Right, and, and it, it's great because in the episode, the outrageous Okona, when Data is ready to set up and you know program the holodeck, it gives him a list. It says, "Do you want something general rock and tour? Do you want vaudeville or whatever?" And it's like the right. idea of the different uh, the different comedies, the different. I'm reading a great um, book called The Comedians. It's like it's like 500 pages of the comprehensive you know uh, history of comedy, and they say how obviously in you know, even before vaudeville, they were sort of you know, court jesters, people running yeah, around yeah, with bells yeah. on their heads, right? And they used yeah. to say that Mark Twain, you know, when he would go around promoting his book, yeah. he would basically talk to the audience yeah. and get 
you know, he was a really funny person, so mm-hmm. he would get a lot of laughs when they do it. And they mm-hmm. some argued that Mark Twain was really the first person to do a form of stand-up comedy wow. as he promoted right. his books. Because right. he would go on book tours yeah. and he they basically just talk in front of an audience for right. how many how much ever time. Right. And you know, it wasn't yeah. formal. He wasn't signed. You know, he wasn't you know booked at the Improv this weekend. <laughs> but exactly. He yeah. was there to sell a book, and in an effort to sell his book, he spoke yeah. to a crowd for a, a set amount of time, and yeah. he would get a lot of laughs when he did yeah. it. He was a very funny person. So right, and of course it's, we yeah. it's been around in different yeah. different ways for a long, long time. Right, right, and of course we have the great uh, what is it, uh, Times Arrow, with the with the great uh, right yeah. Samuel Clemens. Right, exactly. It's so good. Exactly. That's such a good one. Whoopi and yeah, yeah. So, oh, she's great. Then. Yeah. And she's like, you know, what was he? You know, and he's like, and, and you know, because obviously Mark Twain is, is so sort of, you know, uh, intuitive and he's so like, wow. And he's like, you know, almost sleuthing, almost like a Columbo or, <laughs> or Sherlock Holmes. It's just so good. Yeah. So now you say, and I would tend to agree, I think if you look at, you know, these characters that we love, I mean, who is really some of the more, you know, the uh, funny is probably Data. So, like, after him, do you, would you say sort of what, like a Riker? Well, I mean, I don't I don't want to color you. You tell me. Like, what would you say is more, you know? Or, I, Riker yeah. is, is very, very charming. He mm. can be funny when yeah. he needs to. Right. But really, you know, the only reason why he's trying to be funny is trying to win over uh, the, the – uh, I think the charms of a woman. Yeah, right, right. Um, the, the woman of the week or Troy or something, right? <laughs> right, 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 right. He got assigned the woman of the week because it wasn't Picard. You know, right, was exactly. He was, he was the Kirk of the show right. in that regard. Right. But even then, I would still say the next funniest person to me is Worf. Yeah, oh, very good. Yeah. Very good. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. think Worf, whereas Dana was yeah. trying really hard to be funny, right. and of course, he, most of his laughs were when he wasn't trying, but right. he tried so hard for so right. long. Right. Um, Worf never tried. Yeah. And there was something kind of like gruff about him. Right. You know, like there are there are comedians who are angry yeah. and Worf is your angry comedian. Yeah, like a you Lewis Black. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. Yeah. Worf is the Lewis Black of the show. <laughs> Data yeah. is you your run of the mill, uh, you know, working at the improv this weekend. Worf is Worf is the rough <laughs> New York comedian right. who's been through the shit, has played right. every terrible room, and now <laughs> at age good. 50 is finally getting some doom. I love it. That's awesome. He's like a Rodney Danger for Lewis Black of Klingons. Right, right, right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, he, he's just seen everything. He's been to every terrible right. room. He's, he's accepted every low pay for every <laughs> nice. bad gig. I love it. And now, finally, he gets a spot in a TV show and gets famous. I love it. I love it. I was watching uh, the, the Survivors, one of my favorites, and you know the scene when he they give him tea. You know the the uh, Rashawn, the the you know the wife that we don't know is actually you know a an illusion. And he goes, he goes, where he goes, nice house, good tea. <laughs> you know, and you, it's true. I mean, it's it's not right. like he's he's not like Data or the others sort of one liners right. more or comic, comedic moments, but when he does have them, right? When he it's has them, really great. Good. Like I think of. Yeah. Uh, Deja Q mm-hmm. when he ends up like what do I have to do to prove that I'm human right. die right, die <laughs> and then he's like I am not a merry man <laughs> I am not a merry yeah. man it's great right. um, I right. love when in Phantasms when, when mm. again it's a moment that's a great moment of Data and Worf like the two in my opinion the funniest characters yeah. is like tell him he's a good cat and a pretty cat yeah 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 and then Worf <laughs> is just like I will feed him and he walks away right. <laughs> I, I, I can't tell you the number yeah. of times 
that my wife and I have said I will feed him talking about our baby. <laughs> it's like we're taking turns feeding him. Ah, and we great. do that all the time. Great. Also, one of my faves is the episode in season two where Wesley is trying to win over that um, that shape-shifting royalty. Oh, yeah, the, do- the Dauphin. The and Dauphin. and yeah, Worf yeah. just like screams out right. and is like, that's how right. we're Klingon meets. Right. And like, you don't know what's going on for right. a solid 10 seconds until he right. says that. And it's, it's so good. funny. It's great. Like, you're really, and what is he with, um, what was it, Anya, the shapeshifter? She's awesome, yeah. that actress, with those eyes. And what does he get at the end? He's like, you know, something we could meet in battle one day. Yes, it would be good. <laughs> really, it's, it's, it's those unusual usual or unpredictable and sort of non-traditional moments of comedy that I like best too in ways, right? But, you know, I love Data and he is probably, like you're saying, he works hard at it, but the others are sort of just, you know, more spontaneous or more unpredictable, you know, even like, you know, I've shared it before to to like add nauseam to friends and all. I love that man of the people with Troy being super bitch. You know, I just laugh my ass off and she's like, you know, she's with one of the crew members and, oh, I don't know, Deanna, you know, I'm, I'm kind of scared. Well, you know, you won't be coddled. Maybe we should transfer you. <laughs> it's just like, awesome. Yeah. It's just, yeah. She just, she has no patience for her. Totally sadistic. She plays it so good. Right. And then she's, you know, oh, well. right. She's These with people are right, very, right. very, it's just, oh, they're so talented. <laughs> they're great. Right. I mean, and then again, I'm, then I'm watching the survivors. I'll tell you, Adam, I truly, I even toyed with maybe a short story or expanding something. The whole subplot or the whole plot device with with the Dowd, with Kevin Uxbridge, putting that music in Troy's mind. It is chilling. It's one of the most chilling moments, I think, of the show. And the ways, right, the way Sirtis carries that, you know, and, and then Crusher's like, oh, I'll give you, you know, some tranquilizer. She's like, no, the music will just follow. You know, it's just awesome. It's just awesome. And you're like, you know, you could just feel it. And then what is it in, um, in Skin of Evil when she's talking to Armis? And she's like, you know, he's like, oh, you know, my people are gone. <laughs> you know, they went away. And she's like, you know, you know, liar. You know, she's fucking, she just nails it. She's amazing. Yeah. She's amazing. And then like, we know we could, she could be the snobby bitch, the, the sort of sarcastic bitch, but she can be really sort of, you know, poignant and, and, and totally, totally serious and totally, you know, um, unsympathetic. I just love right. Marina Sirtis. <laughs> she's fucking awesome. Yeah. Just exactly. Just great. Um, yeah, my although you mentioned Troy, I I mm. happen to think that she gets her sense of humor from her mom. Ah, right. there you go. There you go. Right. Wonderful source of humor. There you go. Um, from her, just well, first of all, she comes off as somebody who is always trying to hook up, mm-hmm. and she's trying to get with the <laughs> right. card, and that's right. hilarious because he doesn't want to have anything to do with right. her. He just wants to run the ship. Right. And she's like, no, please, I'm royalty, I'm beautiful, and, and everything, and it's so funny, and that's just like a classic right. kind of like a screwball comedy right. almost element to it from sure. back in the day. Sure. And uh, then she tries to open up Odo, which yeah. is wonderful, <laughs> because if there's someone who can relate to Picard's rigidity, it's Odo on right. Deep Space Nine. Right. No one is as rigid, rigid as Odo. <laughs> right. And then... I particularly love the friendship that she strikes up with Alexander yeah, uh, yeah. later on in the series. Right. And then, of course, again, you get a great wharf moment of them sitting in the mud uh, mud bath. Yes. yes he doesn't awesome. get it, but yep. he's happy to be there and just right. wonderful. Uh, but I would still say that if there is a roaster, you know, you know, roasting has is, is, is gotten a lot more popular again in the world of comedy. Oh, right, I would right. say mm-hmm. that um, Q mm. is... The man who knows how to cut people down with uh, a single line. Right, right. You know what I mean? Right. Like, Macro head with a micro brain. Back, 
right. just cutthroat. Uh, if right. Q is the Don Rickles. There you go. There if Worf yeah. is if Worf is the um, yeah. uh, uh, the Lewis Black and Data right. is the Rodney Dangerfield who had to work years and years and years to figure it out. <laughs> Q is the guy who never needed an act because all he needed to do was look at you right. and he could tear you down in a way that even you thought was funny. Right. So great. It's so great. And I'll tell you, I'm sure you know, um, um, but how many people out there do, um, the great um, Madril Barrett, she was in, you know, Lucille Ball's School of Comedy. That's how she, right. yeah. And so, you know, and you know, Lucy, obviously, um, I guess every year picked only, I don't know, maybe 10 or whatever. It was very selective. So for her to have her in her little, you know, comedian or comic school. Was pretty right. amazing. Robert Osborne, who used to do the intros on TCM, the Cl- Turner Classic Music, he was one of them, and he became good friends with Lucy. Yeah, I would so, love, I would love to learn. Uh, you're, you're blowing. I had no idea that this was a thing. Yeah. I wanted to learn about this. I want to learn mm-hmm. about Lucy and her school. I'm telling you, you know, right? Like, I saw I t- that that Lucy yeah. and and not Lucy and Desi. Yeah. That's a documentary. Right. Um, uh, 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 with the Ricardos, being the called, being uh, the Ricardos, it's really good. I saw it. Yeah, it's yes. good. I watched that. Yeah. I thought it was very good. Yeah, I'm still not so sure about the, the casting choices, but yeah. I thought that everyone did as well as they possibly could have. Right, I agree. Um, yeah, you know, as good as as good as Javier Bardem was, I just mm-hmm. never his voice didn't sound like Ricky to me. Yeah, and there's nothing he can do about that. Right. You know, that's a really right. specific thing. Right, and same with same with Lucy. Like I thought. Yeah. I thought that um, uh, uh, Nicole Kidman was great, mm-hmm. but I didn't hear Lucy. Yeah, maybe more so than I maybe have heard uh, uh, Desi out of uh, Javier, but I didn't quite hear hear Lucy. Yeah, and those there the, because the the banter on the show was so key. Yeah. to the humor that right. even if it just sounded a little off, it wasn't quite the same. You know, yeah. it was great. Was J.K. Simmons? Uh, yeah, J.K. I, th- I was going to say I thought he did the and best then job. Whoever right. played, whoever right. played Vivian Vance. Yep. I'm forgetting her name. Yep. The two of them. Yep. Were fantastic. I thought they Absolutely were better. Fantastic. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I thought I thought no Kidman and Bradem did well, but I think think the I others they did well. Did. Yeah. But they didn't quite Agreed. sound like them. Right. And there's nothing they can do right. about that. You know, their yep. voices aren't exactly the same. Right. Whereas somehow, some way, J.K. Simmons and the actress who played uh, uh, Vivian Vance. They sounded like them. yeah, I and agreed. that was weird. But they did. Even J.K. was like, "No, there's no way J.K. Simmons." No, he did. I know. When they, when he needed to sound like Fred. Yep. He sounded like Fred. A- it was crazy. Absolutely. When I heard the casting, I'm like, "What Simmons?" I'm right. like, "I love him," but I'm like, I couldn't imagine him as Fred Mertz. But yeah, right. he's awesome. Awesome, awesome stuff. Right, and 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 thank you. I know that over the years there's probably maybe some small uh, focus or, or spotlight on the Lucy Comedy School, but I'd really like to see more. I'd like to see a movie on it or something. I, I didn't just, even know that was is, a thing. Yeah. Like, I would love to hear about a mm-hmm. class. Sure. Going through that. Sure. That'd be wonderful. Yeah. Because I know it was, I mean, Lucy obviously was the main sort of mentor and, and coach, but I'm sure she had others. So you're talking sure. about, right. You're talking about the, probably the cream of the crop in what? I guess it was the mid, late 50s or early 60s and Lucille Ball. So yeah, pretty amazing. Right. Right. Yeah. No, it was, yeah. um, it was really unbelievable that like mm-hmm. that, that was a thing. Cause I want to, like I said, I want to learn about it. I want to yeah. learn yeah. what it took to get into that school, yeah. how tough she was in some of the students. Cause listen, if, yeah. if, if she's even a 10th of as tough as she was in her writing staff uh, in, in being the Ricardos, okay. uh, I gotta see, cause you know, some people couldn't take it. Right. You know what I mean? Like there's a reason why that, that staff was so small. So right. <laughs> exactly. Like when she uh, says to the girl, what is it? Um, with uh, what is it, Gracie Allen? And I love how she goes well, but something Gracie Allen. She's like, honey, Gracie Allen does one thing well, you know, really well, but it's sort of one note, sort of like the dits. 
And, you know, right. yeah, the way she sort of analyzed, you know, comedy, right? I mean, you know, and I love Gracie Allen. I love Burns and Allen, but it's like, who has really lasted longer and who is really, you know, the more sort of, it's Lucille Ball, yeah, so. Right. You know, no, she, yeah. she knew her stuff. You know, it mm-hmm. wasn't, like I said, she didn't come from a school of stand-up or anything, mm-hmm. but she knew her thing. She knew yeah. it very, very well, and she knew how to sell a joke to a crowd. Yeah. Which yeah. is why they did the studio audience, which is utterly brilliant. Yeah. Sitcoms wouldn't be the same without a live studio audience. I know laugh tracks, people like to crap on laugh tracks, and don't get yeah. me wrong, if they're poorly done, they're poorly done. Yeah. But a live studio audience, I think, is key for a comedy always. Right, right. It's true, because sometimes you'll hear the laugh track, and it will be literally like the same, you know, within the same like minute, right. and you'll hear, aha, aha. Right. <laughs> it's like the right. exact same That's almost, well, I Come always love the laugh track specifically on, on the show, like Seinfeld, because mm. it was overdone on purpose. Yeah. Like it was literally right. over the top. Right. And there right. was an element where, like, oh, you need more jokes? Okay. And then uh-huh. Larry was just right. messing with the NBC executives right. at that point. <laughs> did, now, now, wait. So this is really interesting. They never did any live audience with Seinfeld? There was always a laugh track? That's so interesting. I think there was, I think yeah. there was a live studio audience. Okay. Sometimes. Yeah, I have yeah. to understand okay. that, you know, when he would get notes about laughs, he would just pump up the laugh track to a point where it sounded ridiculous. Right. I see. It's really interesting. Yeah. 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 And let's yeah. see. Um I, I still have some more on my list if we have time sure. to get to it. Yeah, we do. Take, yes, you can, you can do a little couple a little couple minutes where you know, we'll be closing, but you can go ahead. I'm not rushing you. Go ahead. Sure. I just want to mention one person, uh, Barkley. Ah, you know what? Thank you. You know what? Thank you. I mean, he's one of the best. He's one of the he best. He is the Jerry one Lewis. The best. He yeah. is the Woody Allen. Uh, he I'm is just you. like the nervous wreck. Yeah. I mean, Schultz has had a great career, but just from Barkley alone, well, he got so much work from Barkley, Next Gen and Voyager. But I'm saying right. they could have. He came yeah. off uh, from being, I believe, yeah. was he face on. He, um, very, very much so. Very much so. Yeah. yeah. He was face mm-hmm. on the 18. Yeah. Who was the loose cannon crazy guy. Thank you. Thank like, you. The idea so of talented. there being a character crazier yeah. than B.A. Baracus, yeah. <laughs> and he played that guy. Exactly. And then. You turn around and right. he is this nervous wreck curled right. up in the corner of ball. Right. Barkley. Yeah. I mean, talk about an ability. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, you know, and he almost reminds me like sort of a Christopher Lloyd, you know, like a Doc Brown and a, and a Cruise. Yeah. Right. If if he lacks confidence, like he's this brilliant person, but he's so unsure of himself. It's not right. It's almost like Doc Brown in the beginning of the first Back to the Future. Yeah. 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 When he first comes back in time and he's just so unsure of himself and everything sucks and he can't get it right. Right. But you're so right. Uh, I mean, literally Barkley episodes are on in the top 10, top 25, definitely of next gen of all Star Trek. And I remember reading about this, that the purpose of that character, was for the audience to feel like they were on the bridge. Right. Because if there's one thing that you can describe about every Star Trek character, they're so sure of themselves. Yeah. They, they know what they can do. They know what they can't do. Mm-hmm. And they know their limits, but they also know their strengths. And they never, not that they never fail, but yeah. they are never afraid to try. Yeah. They're never afraid yeah. to fail. Yeah. And Barkley is definitely afraid of getting out of bed. Yeah, exactly. And, right? and and that's that's so human, and it's so brilliant that they introduced a character like that because right. who who can't relate? Particularly when you think of like a typical Star Trek fan. Like I'm, I'm just taking myself. And maybe I'm a typical. Sure. I'm, a, you know, if I'm out of my element, man, I'm a wreck. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not sure of myself. Yeah. Yeah. I, I never quite know. I mean, <laughs> you guys yeah. should have seen me on stage in my first two or three years of doing comedy. Mm-hmm. Oh man, yeah. I there were times when I was like, "Should I be doing this? Oh, oh God, yeah. why am I putting myself through this?" Yeah, and uh, so you right. know, there's a lot of Barclay yeah. 
Yeah, he's the, he's I, like the I just read he's like the Woody Allen of Star Trek, Barkley. Right, <laughs> right, right. That's exactly, so great. relating all these these people back. Right, and then yeah. um, I will mention one final character sure. is Garrick. Oh I my God! I'm telling you, Garrett. he's yeah, such Garrett. a cool guy. When my, when my book came out, we were on like I guess a Facebook chat thing, and he had just uh-huh. had a book. He just had a book out too, Andrew Robinson, and we were talking. He was so nice. He's like, "Congratulations!" So it was such a cool guy, and one of the true highlights of comedy of of the, it's these place and and drama too, as you know. He could do both. Yeah, it was oh, incredible. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, it was just, yeah. just the fact that this sly, mm. cunning, hilarious mm-hmm. person was yeah. also a ruthless killer. Who has a very dark, dark past, and they right. never—I think they do eventually um, reveal it, but they never quite revealed what he did. Right? They revealed who banned him, but they never quite mentioned what for. Right? And you That's don't amazing. need it. Yeah. You don't need to know because I'll bet you it was really nothing. Yeah. It was just his paranoid father who was just paranoid about everything, and then just one day decided, you know what? This guy just knows too much. Yeah, that Paul know? Dooley, right? Paul Dooley is excellent as the dad. He's so good. Right, yeah. right. He's so good. Right. Yeah. So I just, He's but Gary, he, in particular, I'm not quite sure which comedian you can relate to, Garrick, right. because it's, I don't know a lot of comedians who also uh, were assassins. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Good point. I, I mean, we're just, right. 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 Just uh, his eyes alone, the way he would do those eyes. Like, man. I, Right, yeah. right. There's something really mm-hmm. specific, mm. you know. Maybe, uh, maybe the uh, the, uh, the the Joker movie. Maybe ah, that guy's ah, the nice. Like with, nice. There's no, I don't know a lot of comedians who are ah. also like mass murder assassin types. So, right, right. Uh, Derek is a character all on his own, but he is so, so good. funny. So in good. particular with Doctor Bashir. Yeah, and uh, just good stuff. Right. Good stuff. And so how poignant, my, right? Those are my, those right. Are my funniest. So good, and how, right, and how poignant it is when he falls in love with Zia with 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 the mm-hmm. Goldacott's daughter. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, I, right? Go ahead, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. just fantastic. Right. No, no, I was going to say, like, you know, obviously it's like we've seen both, you know, between us and, and fans have seen these episodes over and over and, and the shows I've written for them. It's like when you seeing Deep Space Nine again, because I've been doing like a real hearty rewatch, it is just fantastic. Wow. I mean, they all have their strengths. I think that's the thing. They all have their charms. They all have their pros and cons, whatever. But Deep Space Nine in terms of as the the drama, the the humanity, the humor, it's just, man, it's yeah. just, you can't get it much really better. Is, it's on yeah. its own level. And yeah. it's on its own level in ways that the other shows I don't think were allowed to get to. They, very true. Because what yeah. they were supposed to do for yep. um, the, the, the UPN network. Yep. Because Absolutely. it was the last show that yep. um, was on syndication, they were allowed to do yep. a lot more stuff that you know the other networks mm-hmm. they just couldn't get away with. Voyager really tried to recreate a lot of TNG's magic in the way. Sure, it mm-hmm. had its different characters and stuff, but yeah. it was still um, an issue of the week kind of yep. show. It didn't have that flow, that's that um, serialized flow that mm-hmm. DJ's Nine really, you know, set the standard for what it, I think would eventually be prestige television. Yeah, um, definitely. And then and then Enterprise, try, I think, was going to get back to that, yeah. but again, they were still very much trying to live the episode by episode, week to week. Right. And so that you know, all those layers where things would move from episode to episode, it, it's all Deep Space Nine. Definitely, definitely. And two things about Deep Space Nine. I know it was it was public knowledge in one of the books. I think it was the making of Deep Space Nine. They said how the studio execs um, were like, you have to have you know feature film quality effects. You know, not that Next Gen didn't, but they just really raised the bar for Deep Space Nine. And you can clearly see it. 
And then when, when I pitched to, to Voyager, my first Voyager pitch with Jerry Taylor, um, I, I said something, I don't know, something about my Deep Space Nine, and I just made sort of a, a little bit of an aside, and she she pointed up, and she's like, we don't we don't know what the boys up there do. You know, Deep Space Nine, you know, so Voyager and Deep Space Nine were really so separate, unless they had to do some sort of, you know, you know producer, you know, producerial thing. So yeah, it was very right. separate. And like you said, it was it was that syndication, but that Deep, uh, I mean, Voyager was so UPN. It was the flagship of the, of the new network, exactly. Yeah. Right, and they knew what they wanted. They yeah. wanted TNG Part 2. There you go. There you go. And then we know, you know, bringing on sort of seven and nine with Jerry you know, Ryan and saying, you know, we, we have more of a, you know, uh, sexuality there, whereas Kess was sort of the, the little schoolgirl that couldn't, you know, you know, it's sad to have the boy, right. but it, right, it's sad to have to boil it down to that. But it kind of is like that, even though for my money, I looked at Kess as, wow, you know, even when, when I would submit scripts and, and pitch, I was like, you know, those, this all competent, you know, alien, you know, seven year lifespan or whatever. This is incredible. This is a real way to, you know, put that limitation in and maybe get something really really meaty but of course you know it didn't it wasn't to be so she left and, and here's and, the thing i love the idea of seven of nine mm. um just the, the the premise that this person is out of the collective and she needs uh, a, a little mothering and just yeah. a lot of attention yeah. but also has so much to offer the crew i i do think there was more to that character than a cast type mm. character right um and they really could have saved the sexing up, you know, I always felt like the cat suit was just a little too much. Yeah, like yeah. you know, maybe my twelve-year-old self would argue differently <laughs> right, at the time. Right, 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 but right, uh, right, you know, thirty-seven-year-old me, is like, <laughs> listen, Jerry, Jerry Ryan looks good yeah. in a Starfleet uniform. There you, you know go. What I mean? Like she still looks good. If that's really yeah. what you need to, you know, get your rocks yeah. off, whatever. <laughs> I love these revelations. You're making revelations. That's great. <laughs> right? yeah, I mean, the character good. was still really needy too, yeah. and yeah. you know, they didn't have to do it, but right. you know. Right. I'm, I'm not Rick Burke. Well, so you know, like, right? You I, you I know, like right? You know, is the, is the geek, the geek in us and the tech stuff? It was what the doctor had to put her in this, you know, healing uniform because of her implants. <laughs> right, right, right. Which, which again, you know, you can't just coat the inside of a uniform like that. Thank like, you. There's a whole Thank you. Shirt. And it can't be a little baggy. It has to be totally fine. <laughs> <laughs> What's so great is I was hanging out with one of the pocket guys, you know, the pocket books guys, and he had gone to the set. This is when they were filming, I think, third, fourth season. And, he, you know, it had to be because he saw Seven to Nine. It was a whatever scene. And she had not yet put the cat suit on. So it was just Jerry Ryan. And she was really nice. And, it, and, and he was like, you know what, Will? It's all the cat suit. You know, I mean, nothing against Jerry Ryan, but that physique is built by the, you know, by the costume people. And that is, you know, that is seven of nine through the Katsu. Yeah. So really interesting. Yeah. All right. All right. You know, interesting stuff. There you go. There you go. <laughs> so this is great, Adam. Really enjoyable. I'm really, you know, I know, I know, you know, you have a lot on your plate and things, but maybe we could bring it back too. It'd be awesome. You could, we could, we could do something else. You let and, me know what the, what the topic yeah. is and when you have yeah. time and, and awesome. we'll, we'll make it work. I, yeah. I really enjoyed myself tonight. Well, right. Thank you so much for having me. Sure, sure. Now, do you want to like you know plug the little plugs? You want to say anything about something coming or anything? Sure, yeah. Sure. I, I don't like I said I don't have a whole lot going on right now. I'm just kind of being a dad at the moment. But mm -hmm. um, if you want to check out, I have an album on um, Spotify, Apple Music, cool. YouTube. Uh, uh, what's the other platform? Um, I'm blanking. But <laughs> yeah, but iTunes or whatever. Yeah, you said iTunes. Yeah, right. Yeah. iTunes. Wherever okay. you stream music, I have an album called King of the Jews. <laughs> uh, check it that's out. Right, that's right. That's right. I love it. A lot it. of love and, and labor gone into it. It's so just cool. Years and years of recordings. It's something that I put out during the excuse me during the pandemic. Nice. Um, 
some of the recordings date back almost as much as like eight or nine years even. So it's just like sure. a collection of stuff that I've had for so long. And like, you know, because of COVID, haven't been able to perform as much. So I wanted to put something out so people could listen. So check it out. King of the Jews, all streaming platforms. I have right here, Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, and YouTube. So check it out. Awesome. It sounds great. I want to thank everybody for listening. And as usual, we can say it together, Adam, live long and prosper. Peace and long life. Thanks, awesome. Will. Thanks, sure. everybody. For- have a good night, guys. Take care, guys. Thanks.